0: Welcome to the DNVGL Talks Energy Podcast Series. Electrification, rise of renewables, and new technologies supported by more data and IT systems are transforming the power system. Join us each week as we discuss these changes with guests from around the industry. Welcome to the new series of DNVGL Talks Energy. My guest today is Didlev Engel, uh, the CEO of DNVGL Energy. Good morning, Didlev. Good morning. Ditlev, we want to talk about DNVGL's inaugural Energy Transition Outlook 2017, a world model of the energy system up to 2050. Now, looking around, there are many reports out there trying to forecast the future of the energy sector. So, how does DNVGL's Energy Transition Outlook stand out?
1: Well, first, uh, for those of uh, the listeners who may not know us that well, DNVGL operates in five different areas. the maritime area, the oil and gas area, the energy area uh, that I represent, the business assurance area, and the software area. And these uh, five divisions actually in their day-to-day lives spend 70%, 70% of their time working on energy-related issues. And that means that of the 13,000 people working at DNVGL, energy is by far the most predominant theme of everything we do. And um, when we were listening to our customers, uh, and uh, the challenges they're seeing in the whole energy transition, I think everybody knows that it is going extremely fast. We thought it was uh, prudent to uh, sit down and say, should not we try to model what will this look like? Because we are actually having our, sort of say, fingers in the pie every single day across the company. And, uh, and we did it and to build a model uh, based upon uh, dollars meaning that the energy transition, obviously, uh, will be driven very much by the cost and the expected cost going forward. So what we've done, and this is where it really stands out, is that because we are in this epic center of what's happened within energy, we have used that knowledge from the organization, also talking to external parties, and then tried to model, based upon the expected future cost, what will that mean for which technologies will move fast, which will move slower, we may disappear, And that has been the driving force. And I think it's important to say that it stands out here because a lot of others are making scenarios. Mm. What is this happened? What if that happened? We don't sort of deal with that. What we deal with is dollars. And uh, we do believe that the lowest cost of energy uh, will prevail uh, for society.
0: Right. So what would you say are the most important findings of the energy transition outlook?
1: Well, we launched it in, in early uh, uh, September in London, and, uh, and we are now here in Singapore by the end of October. So based upon the last two months of feedback, I think uh, from the questions we got from the media, from customers, etc., I think there are maybe three or four points that stand out the most. I think the first one is that we are saying that energy demand will plateau in 2030, uh, and that will be the first time for mankind uh, that that will happen, so that's a significant change. Uh, the second thing is that we are seeing the world electrify extremely fast. So electrification of societies will go, I think, much faster than people uh, anticipate. And uh, the way we're going to electrify will be also be very different. In fact, we are saying that by 2050 we will have 50% coming from uh, non fossil and 50% from, from fossil. And that means that the uptake of renewables, in particular wind and solar, is going to be very, uh, very strong. Those are two important points. A third point uh, is also the fact that we are seeing EVs, uh, electrical vehicles, uh, moving rapidly ahead. And, uh, and that is having a profound impact on the total expectations to the split of, uh, of the consumption of energy. So we are seeing, for instance, uh, due to that, that, for instance, the, uh, the role of oil is going to peak in this period and being taken over again from the electrification. So the shift in the way that we are going to be transported in cars is, 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 uh, is, is a major game-changer uh, in, in, in this scenario. And then maybe uh, fourthly, and uh, equally important, energy efficiency, which is sometimes overlooked in the whole energy transition, is going to have a very predominant role going forward.
0: Right. So uh, you mentioned oil peaking, When I remember that correctly. The report says that happens in 2022. And this is of course also uh, an important message for our own business. We are ourselves in oil and gas. I think we have been asked also about this, uh, this scenario. So what does it mean, for example, for the oil and gas industry? What do they have to do?
1: Well, I think so. First, uh, it is correct that we see that, it is, uh, that it's uh, plateauing around 2022, but then it, it does not drop off a cliff. It will stay fairly stable, but it is plateauing around 2022 is what we're forecasting. What we're also forecasting is that gas will play a much more dominant role going forward. Actually, we see gas becoming the largest source of energy up to around 2035. So obviously again there will be a shift and the main reason for for the oil is actually what I mentioned on the electrical vehicles and the the fact that we will switch from using the combustion engine into using batteries for for transportation.
0: Maybe we can talk a little bit about the uh, electrification which you just mentioned and the importance of renewables. I understood that the uh, demand for electricity will grow by 140% over the simulated uh, time. Uh, but at the same time we see that the primary energy demand is going down. Mm. Um, So maybe you could explain how that miracle comes.
1: How can that happen? Well first, uh, um, as I said, the energy efficiency. Meaning that because we will combine things in a new way, internet of things, we will have uh, much more efficient uh, houses, more efficient uh, refrigerators, etc. So everything will have a much higher degree of efficiency of all the appliances that we use the fact that we are also shifting to uh, renewables means that they have a much actually a higher efficiency compared to for instance coal because we see coal going down a lot where you have an efficiency around uh, 35% and renewables you are like 80 to 90%. so that is, is going to to have a big change in the efficiency of the electricity consumption. Uh, and then we have to say that we as human beings uh, and as good news is we will be uh, much better uh, at the energy we use because the Internet of Things and the connectivity will mean that we will less, uh, use less energy per person. Uh, and, uh, and all this is leading to that we will, we will um, we'll spend much less energy compared to the past. So we are seeing an economy that will be growing. Uh, that's not the issue, but we're actually decoupling economic growth. From energy consumption, which normally have been like twins going hand in hand,
0: right. So um, I remember that the GDP is now growing uh, much faster than we see. For example, the population growing, uh, and we even maybe see the energy demand um, going down. So we, as you mentioned, it's a simulation based on dollars. We also get more value out of the kilowatt hour probably, um, but. Having heard what you say, it's, it's a tremendous change uh, for the sector and that will probably also come with tremendous costs. So while we see uh, things might move that way, can we actually afford to have this transition?
1: Well today, um, the short answer to your question is yes. Uh, and why and why? So first I think everybody, I just mentioned renewables are, are moving uh, fast ahead. And I think anybody have been watching this sector will see now uh, what you pay for wind and solar today compared to what you paid 10 years ago. I mean, it has been a dramatic reduction, um, and we don't see any reason why uh, uh, renewables is not going to stay at a very low level, and costs will keep uh, going down. So, as we're making this energy transition, we will keep adding actually what is quite cheap and fast scalable uh, uh, manufacturing equipment from renewables. And that means overall that we are spending uh, in the global world today about 5% of GDP on energy across the world. But because of the high efficiency, the higher Internet of Things, integrations uh, and new possibilities, uptake of renewables, we actually see that the total cost of energy that we will spend in the world will go down to just above 2%, which actually means that if you look at it from the real global picture, then there is actually money to be gained by making this energy transition, because we will get sort of say more bang for the buck uh, uh, for, by making this transition. But of course, we still have to make significant investments into transmission and, and others. So it's not we we have to do a lot, but we get sort of say a better deal every day.
0: So that sounds all very positive. Uh, the fossil fuels are getting down to maybe 50% of the of the energy mix. Are we saying that reaching the COP21 target, the Paris Agreement, two degrees, is not a challenge anymore?
1: This I have to say that when we were uh, working on it and and when we had uh, the uh, results presented uh, uh, by our excellent colleagues who have done this uh, magnificent work. I think we were all very excited because we were seeing a world where this was going um, maybe much faster than one would have hoped for, until we got to the uh, calculation of where does that leave us on the expectations to uh, increase of temperature. Mm -hmm. And the scenarios that we are describing in in the energy transition outlook is actually forecasting around 2.5 degrees centigrade um, world. And as uh, the Paris Agreement was to go for one and a half, but no way above two degrees C. Uh, and now we are forecasting, even with, I think, what many would characterize as a very uh, ambitious uh, energy transition outlook, uh, is still not enough. Mm-hmm. So this means that the speed of implementation is still of essence uh, and really important. Uh, secondly, it's also uh, very important that we th- are be thinking much smarter uh, about the, um, the way that we manage what we have left of the carbon budget. Um, I think it's... Um, to try to, I mean, what is a carbon budget? I think the best way to describe it is if people were thinking about their own savings account and saying, you know, I have $100 left. Uh, Should I spend them all tomorrow and then I will have zero? Or uh, how do I spend uh, spend the last uh, part of the budget wisely? Uh, We know that there are industries like airlines, like ships, that you will need to to use uh, going forward, but what can we do to decarbonize them even though we cannot eliminate it uh, going forward, what can we do to try to preserve what we have left to spend to stay within the 2 degrees C. And I think that is a very important challenge as well while making the energy transition as fast as possible.
0: Right. So, knowing all of this, what we found out in this report, uh, where do we go from here? What can be done to close the gap?
1: I think there are a few very important issues. So uh, normally when we talk about an energy transition, uh, most people talk about um, what will the utilities do, what will the consumers do. Uh, But we should not forget that some of the biggest customers in the energy sector are uh, business, Uh, B2C companies, B2B companies. And uh, here at the conference yesterday in uh, in Singapore, actually, a gentleman from uh, Google mentioned that they had, I think, more than six terawatt. Uh, uh, of annual consumption and they at the same time are issuing um, uh, new agreements uh, but only based upon renewable power. So I think it's important to remember here that it, this is such a big issue which is way beyond just the traditional energy sector. They of course are a very important player but also we will see a lot of new uh, and engagement with new companies. So I think being open-minded, uh, integrating with a lot of new players is where we will get faster to the solutions because it's not just a question of what the energy sector should do. It's also very much a question of how will the energy sector work across the whole value chain with our clients and whether it is a company uh, like Google with data centers and so on, but also with the finance uh, community, uh, which, uh, for instance, within energy has also a big focus because the finance segment is struggling to find out how to handle, how to ensure, for instance, uh, climate change. How are you going to take out an energy policy or insurance policy if this area is gonna be flooded tomorrow? Uh, and I think these are some of the things that uh, makes it very important that we have a very open dialogue across the whole value chain, whether it's from financing and, and other parts of business. So cooperation and integration uh, of all stakeholders, and of course also the, the policy makers, so public-private partnerships. So I, I think it's very much a theme of saying hello to everybody is, uh, is absolutely essential.
0: Right, so of course it's a I think a very good contribution to the industry and I understand DNVGL also takes a responsibility to refine their model in the years going forward. That was the inaugural uh, version or edition. So I think next year we might see uh, if we were right uh, and can adapt maybe the model when we have more data as input
1: yeah I think that's uh, so uh, so of course uh, this is the first time uh, we launched it and we've been delighted with all the positive uh, responses we have been getting from business partners colleagues clients etc and therefore uh, I'm also pleased to to, as you mentioned that we will do it again next year because the transition is obviously I think somebody here also the conference talked about this is close to a revolution so, uh, uh, and because things are changing so rapidly, it makes it, uh, let's say, even more uh, sense to make sure that we uh, are looking at it every year. So, next autumn, yes, we will come out with the, with the next edition. And, of course, be interesting to see if there are some, some new delta points compared to what we are, we are seeing today.
0: Right. Thank you, Dilip. We are unfortunately slowly coming to an end of this episode already, but I have one last question because we are recording here live from the Singapore International Energy Week. What is your biggest takeaway from the Singapore International Energy Week in 2017?
1: Well first I think the theme about rethinking is, uh, is, uh, is extremely appropriate and I think everybody knows that uh, Singapore is a pioneer in many areas and also within the energy area so it's always very exciting to hear what, what Singapore has on their mind so uh, at the opening speech uh, on, on Monday where the Deputy Prime Minister mentioned that uh, Singapore will introduce a carbon tax in 2019 uh, is uh, is something that is being debated in many countries, uh, and uh, now uh, he confirmed that Singapore will do that. And of course he also at the same time mentioned that, um, that of course uh, Singapore's, uh, let's say, emissions in the global scheme are not uh, the largest, but it is again an important, I would say, lightning star in in the Asia region for how to develop to the next system and making sure that Singapore remains a pioneer on finding new solutions mm-hmm. and, and and drive more energy efficiency integration of renewables in new ways. So so I think uh, I'm sure I'm not, i do not know what the theme will be next year, but uh, but I'm sure that this rethinking is also something that Singapore takes closer heart and also showing that the that the policies will support that going forward. And I think that's very comforting. And then I would say the other takeaway is that uh, there are so many things going on here, and this is why it's such an exciting industry and people coming from all over the world. So uh, so people are not just rethinking, I think people constantly are reconnecting, and that's also uh, quite nice by being here.
0: Thank you very much, didle for your very relevant insights and the good summary of DNVGL's inaugural Energy Transition Outlook 2017. And to the listeners, thank you very much for dialing in. That was Ditlef Engel, the CEO of DNVGL Energy. And if you want to have your own copy of DNVGL's Energy Transition Outlook, uh, please visit www.dnvgl.com eto. I repeat, www.dnvgl.com eto. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this DNVGL Talks Energy podcast. To hear more podcasts in the series, please visit dnvgl.com/talksenergy.